people of God, brothers and sisters gathered here this morning, what we're going to do this morning is stop for a few minutes at one verse of those 20. Verse 19, where it says, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. To ponder means to think about, to consider, to mull over, to wonder about, to process in your mind. Let me ask you a question. What are you pondering today? What are you pondering today? In other words, what's going on in your heart this morning? What's going on in your heart this morning, this Christmas day? We've always got a lot going on in our hearts and minds, don't we? Your, your heart could be heavy today. Your heart could be very heavy today because of sadness or loneliness or because of troubling things that are going on in your life or troubling things in the life of your loved ones. Your heart could be light and joyful. You could be floating on air. It's Christmas. You're excited about the presents you opened, and later today you're going to get to play with them. You're excited about the presents you're still going to open. There's a lot going on in our hearts all the time, and we don't, we don't really know exactly what's going on in each other's hearts. In our family, we're never totally sure what's going on in Sophia's heart. And just a little example of that, we were greeting this morning. Some of you received a very warm handshake and greeting. Others of you received nothing. It's not you, but you see and you know the actions and responses of a three-year-old are almost totally ruled by the ups and downs, the emotions, the feelings in her heart. And, and we can live that way too, allow our hearts and our lives to be ruled by the ups and downs of life, which we all have. What's going on in Mary's heart shows us a different way. What's going on in Mary's heart shows us a better way. That's a way that will make a difference for you this Christmas, and I guarantee it every day of the year. John Calvin was a great student of the Bible in centuries past. He says Mary's approach to Christmas is an example for believers everywhere to follow. Mary is an example for us to imitate, he says. So what does she do? What's going on in her heart? To ponder these things means she was processing, thinking about, concentrating on everything that happened. Well, what had happened? We just read everything that had happened. The journey to Bethlehem because of the census, Jesus' birth in a manger, the angel's message to the shepherds, the heavenly host praising God. And we could be sure she was including in her ponderings her earlier visit with Elizabeth and the angel Gabriel's visit to her, telling her what would happen. At that earlier time, there was a song that just burst out of Mary's heart. And it's recorded for us in Luke 1. I want you to listen to it so we can get a glimpse into the heart of Mary, who we're called to imitate this Christmas. Listen to the verses of Mary's song. 
My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Wow. If that's what we're supposed to be pondering as we put everything together that first that happened that first Christmas, that's a pretty high standard. And you might be like some of you refer to me, hey Rev, I'm not the mother of Jesus, or hey pastor, I'm not the mother of Jesus, I'm no Mary, but I don't want you to give up that easily this morning. We really can, you really can treasure what Mary does, and you can have these matters in your hearts. And if you do, it will make a difference for your lives. What's Mary pondering? Well, her approach is God-centered. Her approach is God-focused. And that's the key for really celebrating Christmas. And that's the key for your life every day, too. My soul glorifies the Lord, is what she says. Other translations say, my soul magnifies the Lord. And that goes along with what the heavenly host said, right? Glory to God in the highest. To magnify God at first seems impossible. How do you, how, God is the biggest of all. We can't make God bigger. He's God. But we can magnify God. You can magnify God if you see him better and more clearly. Like a magnifying glass. It allows us to see things bigger and more clearly. And then we're amazed at the detail and the beauty of like a little insect or a leaf or a coin, or whatever you're looking at, a telescope does that too. With advances in the centuries over in astronomy, we've been able to see more clearly, we've been able to magnify the stars in the universe and see more and more how big it is. That in turn, when we see that in his creation, that magnifies God, right? Because Whatever we see, however much there is out there, however big it is, God is bigger because he created it all, right? Well, what do telescopes, what does astronomy tell us? In recent years, they've told us that there are 100 sextillion stars in the universe. And I want you to see what that looks like. It's a lot of zeros. That's what we've learned in recent years. One, that's 100 sextillion. Now, you may have caught a news story just a couple of weeks ago. You know how scientific theories change when, you get, when we get more information? What we've learned about this number is that it's way too low. 
Did you read that in the news? It was in early December. The actual number of stars, they now say, with advances in very recent years, is three times this number. Three times a hundred sextillion. When you magnify something, you see it even better. It becomes even greater to you. Mary magnifies God in her heart. One pastor says there are no less than 17 attributes of God in her song. Ponder with me now what we learn of God here. That's what we're, we're going to do a little pondering so we can magnify him together today. Ponder one God's salvation in Jesus this morning. Ponder God's salvation in Jesus. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Verse 47. Some people would have us believe that Mary was sinless, was without sin, but that's not true. She talks about the Lord being her Savior right here, right? She knew she needed a Savior. Mary and all of us are sinners. We need redeeming. We need deliverance. We need saving. And that's what the Bible is all about. In recent weeks here at Faith, we've been in the Old Testament in a series on Ruth. The events in that book took place during the time of the judges. That's a time when people didn't follow God. They did what was right in their own eyes. But God always sent salvation for his people. That's what God does. We see it through the whole history of the Old Testament through to the exile. And that happened because God's people were disobedient. But then, even then, God preserved a remnant. He preserved his people and a line out of which Jesus, which means Savior, would be born in the fullness of time. Salvation in Jesus, that's the message of the Bible. That's the gospel. That's the good news that the church has to offer the world. God saves. He sent Jesus the Savior who would die on the cross to buy our redemption and rise again to give us new life. He ascended to heaven to send us his spirit to live in our hearts so that we may truly ponder and know and live the things of God. It's one thing to say Jesus is the Savior, but it's another thing to do what Mary does and say, He's my Savior. That's what she says. Is He your Savior this morning? Have you asked Him into your heart? The Bible says all who believe will be saved. God does not reject anyone who comes in Jesus' name. We can do all the pondering and thinking and wondering and contemplating the world, but it's got to start with my Savior. Jesus, you're my Savior. Mary sees the big picture of history with Jesus at the center, the Savior, and she sees what that means personally and intimately for her. In fact, built into that word pondering from Luke 2 is the idea of having, not just thinking about, but having a personal experience with the things that have happened. You and I need that today too. A personal experience with these things that have happened. And we can have it. Ponder God's salvation in Jesus and ponder God's 
power this morning. Ponder God's power. Verse 49, the mighty one has done great things for me. Verse 51, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. This is connected to salvation. God couldn't save us if he didn't have the power to do it. Our world and the troubles in it is in the state it is because of the measure of power that, that Satan has and the, the measure of power that, that sin has in this world, in our lives. Our only hope to escape the powers of Satan and sin is in the power of God. Romans 1.16 says, The gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Now, you know, we don't, we don't tend to think of a, a little baby being a symbol of power. You don't think of power too much at Christmas, I don't think. But the fact is that God manifested his eternal might and power by coming into the world at Christmas. God is putting into motion his mighty plan that would be worked out through the strength of his power. That power of God for salvation That's for your life too, you know, in your weakness. Mary contrasts her weakness with God's power, the humble state of his servant. And you and I need to do that too. The power is for all who believe. It's for you. And we can feel pretty weak and powerless with the events that go on around us in our lives. But no sin No circumstance is powerful enough to thwart God. And his power is revealed at Christmas when Christ broke into the world that first Christmas. Ponder God's holiness today too, would you? Ponder God's holiness. The mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Now, why does Mary bring that into it? The holiness of God. It makes sense to magnify him, talk about his salvation, his power, but his holiness. Why talk about the holiness of God on Christmas? Isn't that something to be feared? What does it have to do with with today and Jesus being born? We don't need to be reminded that God is holy today, do we? Well, think about this. Why is there salvation at all? Why did Jesus go to the cross? Why did God send his son into the world? It's really because he's holy. The Bible says God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. God can't stand sin and darkness. He hates it. That's why there's salvation. God made the world. It was perfect. He saw it. It was all good. Then sin came in. The devil introduced it. Mankind fell into it. Because God is holy, he can't tolerate that. It's because God's name is holy that he has to deal with sin, and he does. Everything about Christmas and our salvation has to do with God's holiness. What does the angel Gabriel say to Mary? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the Holy One will be born of you. 
Jesus was perfect. No sin was in him. He didn't inherit the sinful nature from Adam. He was pure and holy, born a baby, not an ordinary one. He was separate from sinners. He was holy. All the way to the cross, we see that. God is getting rid of sin. From the beginning to the end, it really is about the holiness of God. Holy is his name. And because of his holiness, we have what we do. Jesus coming at Christmas. Salvation. Ponder God's mercy today, too, like Mary. That's our last thought this morning. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. That's verse 50. If he were only holy and powerful, we'd still be in trouble. His holiness dictates that sin has to be taken care of. But it's really his mercy and grace that puts that punishment on Jesus instead of those who deserve it. And that's all of us. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. God's work goes throughout the generations. I was talking recently, it was just this past week, with a member of our congregation who's in her 90s. That means she's seen a few generations now. And she reflected on this thought, this very verse actually, she reflected how she has seen God's mercy from generation to generation. She said, I've seen where in a family where God is worshipped faithfully, inevitably, generations later, you see people making commitments, families continuing to live for the Lord and worship Him. And she said it's a beautiful thing to see. She paused and she added, not always, not every single one. And she's right. Each generation has to respond to God's grace and mercy. And we have heartache when we sense that response lacking in our loved ones and the generations after us. But we keep praying. We keep showing the love and grace. We put our hope in God's promises and mercy for those loved ones the same as we do for ourselves. It's the same hope for us all, the grace of God alone. And we can trust that when we magnify God today, as we respond to his gift of grace, he will be faithful to generation after generation after generation. That's how amazing his mercy is. We've only gone a few verses into Mary's song. Could go longer. But you see, Mary was pondering these sorts of things in her heart. That's what she was pondering. And think about it. Remember, this is from Luke 1. She pondered all of this before Jesus was born. Think how much more she was magnifying God when she was sitting next to the manger holding her baby, Jesus, maybe humming the tune to this song that she wrote earlier. 
When my nephew Max was born to my brother Tim and his wife Liz a few months ago, Liz, his wife, my sister-in-law, said after Max was born, I'm just so glad I like him so much. Which is, which is kind of funny, but you know from experience that that's actually a pretty common feeling. You, you just can't believe it when that baby comes and he's with you. You love him more than you ever imagined you could or would. Here's the thing. Jesus has come. And that's why we're here today. That's why we celebrate. Jesus has come. Jesus has been born. God's salvation, God's power, God's holiness, God's mercy... It's not just words on a page. It's not just thoughts in someone's heart. It's all real in Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. Now, don't you agree that Mary's song elevates things a bit from where we can tend to go in our own hearts, in our own thoughts, in our own minds? I urge you to ponder these things in your heart. And a lot more than that, I urge you to ask Jesus himself into your heart today to live there. With Jesus in our heart, our thoughts, our words, our actions will all be elevated to a life of purpose, of joy, of blessing, of great hope because we're magnifying God like Mary. Amen. I'm going to ask Matt and Sandy to come up at this time. We're going to continue the pondering just a little bit by singing a a rendition of Mary's song. Uh, Listen to these words. Ponder the things of God. Thank you. 
Remember 